morning, everybody. All right. So good to see all of you here this morning. So good to be in a nice warm space, right? Warmer space than outside. Yeah. Thank God everybody's here and able to be here that can be. And thank you for being online with us if you're joining us there. If you can't make it here in person, although we'd love for you to, thanks for being here uh, online with us as well. Make sure you're sharing the post as you're joining in with us, all right? For those in person, make sure that you grab a great cup of coffee. And uh, hey, we got some lattes and cappuccinos in there too. So if you want to grab a specialty drink, you can uh, get one mixed up by Julie. She's doing a fantastic job in the cafe today. Super excited to have her there and serving this morning. And uh, super excited to have all of you here with us today. Uh, today we're going to talk about and explore rather how we view ourselves and how that shapes how we view others. But before we get to that, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to participate in. One, if you have kids, we'd love for you to get them checked in for Faith Kids downstairs. Or if you're online and we have a crazy easy system there, you just press a link on our Facebook page that's going to take you straight to kids content, uh, the, the same things that's happening downstairs in person can happen right there in your living room with you and your family. So we highly encourage you to explore that when you have the time to do so. Or if you're here in person next time, come and stop in and join in the fun downstairs. They love to have you. We'd love for you to be a part of this process here. Uh, also, faith events. We got a few things going on. I want to highlight three in particular. And one is this Friday, all right? February 11th from 6 to 8 p.m. is our Valentine's weekend date night, all right? So you can date your husband, your wife, you can date a friend, you can date yourself. Just come with somebody or buy yourself and meet somebody new here Friday from 6 to 8, all right? We're going to have a great dinner. It's going to be spaghetti. It's going to be dessert, bread, the whole thing. Uh, and there's going to be a dance floor. So we're going to carve out a center section here. We're going to have a nice dance floor. Hey, if it's like today, maybe it'll be a slip and slide. I don't know. We're going to work something out and uh, it'll be a good time either way all right uh, but I encourage everybody to come it's for all ages all families all all types just come on and have a great time something you can do right here in Pownall which is awesome you don't have to go out of town to come and have a date night on a Friday and uh, we love for you to be here and I can't wait to see all of you as we celebrate together now as you are coming I encourage you we have a post for you to sign up so if you're even thinking about coming it's like oh maybe gonna come Make sure you register reserve seats, all right? We're capping it at 50 in here because we want to have enough space for everybody to be able to move around and to be able to dance some too. So if, you, if you're thinking, oh, there's plenty of room, just don't, don't assume. Just go ahead and get your uh, information in. We're running it through Eventbrite, which is really, really easy. You're just going to click on a link. It's going to take you there, and you're just going to put your name and a number of people coming and uh, your email so it can get back with you, and then you're there. And it's going to make sure you get a confirmation email and you can be uh, registered so that we know you're coming so we can set up your table and have... Uh, all the special things is going to go on that night for you with us Friday, February 11th, 6 to 8 this weekend. All right. So I'm super excited about that. The day after 2 p.m. on Main Street in Bennington, there's going to be a shine through parade. All right. So every year we've done a night to shine and uh, where it's a prom type atmosphere. So special needs individuals in our community. But this time it's going to be a giant parade that's going right down Main Street in Bennington. Now, how can you get involved? All right, what we're encouraging and what we're, our church is, is helping just promote this from Mission City Church in Bennington is that you come and register and then line the streets. You're going to get some party favors. You're going to get some crazy stuff to celebrate as they drive through. You're going to cheer them on as they go down Main Street. All right, so they're going to be the stars of the show, and we're just the supporting cast just to kind of encourage them and lift them up and love on them that day. So it's 2 p.m. Main Street the day after our date night here. 
in Bennington. Uh, so make sure you sign up. There's, a, there's a plenty of places to sign up. On our church page, there's a place. On Mission City Church in Bennington, there's a place to do so as well. Or you can see Jen Boucher. She's a great resource. She can help you out there too she, in person if you're here and want more information on that. Last thing today, something I'm super excited about because I don't have no clue how it's going to go. So I love surprises and that fact is I don't know how this is going to work out. So we're going to find out together. We're doing Faith Life goals, all right? Faith life goals. Now, you'll notice for those in person, uh, to your left and my right on the door, there's lots of paper-clipped index cards to this door, all right? Super professional stuff, all right? So, all right, and there's pens right here on the edge of the stage. And what we want you to do, what I'm encouraging you to do, and I'm going to do myself, is each and every month, starting here in February, we're going to work on a different faith life goal. So it can be a mental health goal. So maybe in your life, you're like, well, I really want to uh, sharpen my, uh, my mental state by reading more this year or whatever. So you're going to put down today, uh, read five minutes more each week. All right. So what we're looking for is process-centered goals, not result-oriented goals. So I don't want you to say, I want to read 10 books. All right. Now I want you to put down what it would take to read the book. Okay. Same thing for spiritual goals, same thing for, for physical goals. So if you have a health goal you're working towards, you know, put in there, I like to walk wait, 20 more steps a day uh, than I did uh, at the beginning of February. All right. So it's monthly goals. So think about it in a month long process and you're going to write it down. You're going to put your name either on the front or on the back, because what's going to happen is with, if and when, prayerfully you do, complete your goal for February, you're going to take that down and we're going to fold it up. We're going to put it in a big giant container. And then in November, uh, you're going to do that each month. And each month you finish one, you're going to put it in a container. And then November, we're going to pull names out of this big pot. And the top three get special prizes at the end of the year. All right. So it's incentivizing you to do what you're set out to do. And I'm not checking on these. So it's totally honor system. So you can tell me that, you, yeah, I did it. Definitely did that every single month. But that's on you. All right. And I hope you wouldn't do that. But if you do, that's fine. That's, that's between you and Jesus. But that's our goal. All right. So each month, new goals, new life goals, new ways to be able to improve ourselves a little bit at a time uh, through processes. And uh, so I encourage you any point today, whether it's after or during the break here in just a few minutes, to fill those out. Now online, say you can't fill them out. You're not here. Submit them. You can either PM us on our Facebook page. You can put it in the comment section if you want to, all right? Maybe you don't, but if you do it, that's great. And we will help uh, make sure that your name gets submitted to those as well, all right? Don't feel like that you can't uh, do it just because you're not a part of our group here and signing index cards. Don't we worry about that. We will get your name in the pot uh, when you've completed your goals, all right? So before you're done today, church, make sure you fill in those out, hang them back up on the door. And what we're going to do is encourage each other as we do these throughout the year. It's like, all right, hey, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. I want to walk more. Or maybe we can walk together. It's all about doing life together, and this is a unique way to do that, all right? Awesome. Last thing I want to encourage you to do is, one, receive if you're in need. So each and every week we talk about giving here at the church, but we start with getting because we know that in our community and every community, there's people who are in need. Maybe because now of the recent ice storm, maybe you've got some damage to your house or limbs on your property, and what are you going to do with them? Who knows what's going on? But if you have something that's in your life that, man, I could really use a pick-me-up or a little bit of help along the way, know we're here, all right? We want to help you. So get up with us. You can call us, 802 823 
7828, or you can see faithchurchvt.com, and you can see all the ways to contact us and reach out. We want to help you. If you're here and you can give, we'd love for you to give towards that. We just had the budget meeting uh, last week. We approved the budget for 2022, and it's all generated by your giving. So the, the event we're going to do for the, the date night is all you, right? All the giving we do to the community is all you. All the things that we participate in each month of this year, uh, looking ahead to reach people in Poundle for Jesus, is all your generosity. And I'm totally blown away each and every week uh, and month and year as I look back over the years. And I'm like, man, people are so generous. And I'm so grateful for you guys to be able to do that. Not only because uh, it's a blessing to the church and blessing to the community more importantly, but it's a blessing to you. That God is working through you. And that's what I'm most excited about. It's like when I see you giving uh, financially or time or talent, whatever it is, I know that God's going to give you more so that you continue to give more out. And it's just a awesome, crazy blessing cycle that I love to watch happen in people's lives. And so I encourage you, if you love to give or like to give, you could do so in the baskets here in the front or the back or online, faithchurchvt.com. Press the give button. It's just that easy. That's all you got to do. And you can start giving today. All right. <clears throat> That's all I got for messages. All right. So remember Friday, February 11th. All right. Date night, sign up, reserve your seat. Bennington shine through 2 p.m. And then also faith life goals do this during the break or after church today. All right. Now, if you've been with us at any point since the beginning of the year, you know we're working through a series called what? Hey, somebody got it right. I'll take one. Living with Jesus answer. <laughs> Good. I was totally afraid nobody was going to remember. Living with Jesus, right? Where we're taking a chapter of the Gospel of Mark week by week and working our way towards it all the way to Easter. And we're journeying back into his life, his teachings, his miracles, those encounters that he had and those who had with him. And we're talking about the smells, the sounds, the joys, the pain. And we're hoping that as we're talking through these stories, we're not just learning or maybe listening in, but we're actually immersing ourselves in those in new and crazy ways. And it's really going to start to shape and change us as we do this, all right? So let's briefly, briefly, briefly recap. Week one, Mark introduces, introduces us to Jesus, and he gets baptized by this crazy guy named John right out in the wilderness and, and uh, around thousands of other people. But then soon he starts proclaiming that he's got this special mission, that he's got this incredible claim on his life, that he is carrying God's rescue mission forward into the whole world. That he's beginning to restore all things to the way they were at the beginning of time, and he was doing it by a number of different ways. By, by confronting evil, by breaking its hold over people's lives, by healing them, by, by uh, casting out demons, all these things showing the inbreaking of God into earth in him. All right, so that's been the weeks leading up to that. Last week we talked about him uh, doing that with the casting out of demon in the uh, region of Gedisarene, right? And so this week we follow him to a new place and to a new time and to a new thing. And so we're going to journey together this morning in Mark chapter 6. But before we do... We've got a question, all right, because I want you to make sure you get up and get interact with each other and make sure you greet each other this morning and ask each other this question that I'm sure none of you have ever done, but I'll give you an opportunity to respond. Recall just one time when someone was trying to help you, but you wouldn't listen. Just one time, all right, for all those men out there, just once. One time, someone's trying to help you, but you wouldn't listen, all right? So as you're doing that, sign up for Faith Life Goals uh, during the break as well, and then uh, we'll come back here in five as you discuss this question together and online. See you in five minutes.
All right. <clears throat> Let me squeak my way up here. All these nice puddles on the stage. Uh, so uh, be careful when you get up or down, I guess, right? A little slick. All right. So let's just do this together a little bit this morning. I know you don't have any responses to this. All of you have never done this. So I have one story to tell, but I don't know if anybody else does. So let me ask around, though, first. We're just one time. All right, if you've got more than one. Recall just one time where someone was trying to help you, but you just wouldn't listen. Anybody got anything for that? What you got, Scott? This morning with your wife, yeah. There you go. Yeah, who needs to go to the emergency room? You're fine. All right, okay. I know, April. All right, <laughs> anybody else? Recall one time, nobody's got anything. Man, you're all perfect. That's great. That's good. You couldn't recall just one time, could you? That was probably what it was. Ah, uh, yes. Knives in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Anybody else? What you got, Dawn? So my dad was in the No, he would have been right. Oh, well. (laughs) Reputations, that'll cost cost you sometimes, right? Yeah, even if they're not right. All right. Anyone else? One time where you? Here you go, Jim. What you got? Uh, Well, before we got married, John taught me how to drive a standard shift. Okay. And uh, that's probably more of a lesson on what not to do. So that went really smooth. You didn't get frustrated or angry at all, right? (laughs) Oh, really? Okay, nice. Very cool. Yeah, learning manual in any situation can be frustrating. I grew up in an incredibly flat area, and that was still hard, but I can't imagine up here trying to learn. Yeah, learning the hard way, I would suppose, (laughs) right? All right. Anybody else? Those are great. What you got, Haley? One time for like 10 years, right? <laughs> All right. Anybody else? Those are great. Okay. Excellent. Make sure you're discussing that on, online as well. We'd love for you to jump in on this discussion together. Don't just listen in, but be a part of the conversation. I've got one this morning uh, that I had to think. I had to think really hard about this. <laughs> yeah, my wife laughs hard over there. All right. I thought you were going to be downstairs today, dear. All right. <clears throat> No? Darn. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> one Fourth of July weekend. All right. This is, you already know this is going to go great. One Fourth of July weekend. My recently married wife and I, we made plans. We lived in North Carolina and I grew up in Georgia. So, we traveled back and forth because it was about eight hours, eight and a half hours. 
from where we were. And so we were going to go back and celebrate with my friends and family because I still have a lot of friends and family back in Georgia. Now, in Georgia, there's certain laws, very restrictive laws around fireworks, right? You cannot shoot off the good ones, <laughs> pretty much, right? And so you can do all the nice, tame ones, and it's really restrictive, So, which, which meant growing up there for 4th of July was kind of lame. <laughs> in many ways, you had to go see the town fireworks. So past that, I was like, eh, nothing much going on. And I always thought it'd be really cool to have some just real fireworks to shoot off, right? Not the little dinky ones, some real deal stuff, right? So living in North Carolina, their laws are pretty restrictive too, but we're making plans to travel from there to Georgia. And there's this great place in the middle of Georgia and South and North Carolina called South Carolina. And there they don't have any laws or restrictions on fireworks. So you can buy whatever you want, wherever you want to do it. It's, uh, it's like heaven on earth really in some ways. And so uh, at least for someone who's been firework deprived. And so as I knew we we're making plans, I was like, perfect. We're going to have to drive right past there. We can just grab it. There's a giant superstore, you know, that's got the, the big signs is blinking at you. We can stop there and we're going to grab every firework I could ever dream of that I never could have as a kid, right? And we're going to pack this up, all right? I'm going to make up for my childhood and just one explosive experience, right? All right, now at this point, my newlywed wife is on board with this plan. I stress newlywed, all right? She's on board with it. <clears throat> because she doesn't know me yet, but she's on board with it up front, right? So back seat full of fireworks. We're driving the rest of the way down, and uh, we invite friends and family over to my mom's place, which is way out of town, all right? So she didn't live in town. It was way out in the country, and uh, as we say in Georgia, in the sticks. And so um, there was this big field she had behind her place, and it was just perfect spot. There's not a lot of trees. It was just you know, giant field, perfect place to set off some fireworks. And so it gets dark and everybody's excited. We start popping these things off and everything's going great. We're seeing these giant explosions that you can only see if you're like, you know, traveling to somebody who's a professional and uh, we're totally not, but that's okay. So we're firing these things off and everything's good until one catches fire on the ground. <clears throat> now my folks hadn't mowed the field uh, beforehand. So uh, it caught a small section, just a small section on fire. And, uh, but that's okay, right? Because there's hoses. We're prepared, right? I'm 20-something years old. I'm prepared for this. So we have a hose. So we grabbed the hose from the house, and we're hosing the field down. And thankfully, praise Jesus, it didn't go too far. It was nice and contained. And so, uh, you know, it got contained fairly quickly. So that's all right. So now at this point, my newlywed wife is voicing a little bit of concern, right? Maybe we should stop. Maybe it'd be a good idea to kind of quit here. So yeah, you're right, maybe, I don't know, maybe we should stop with the big stuff, but we're going to keep going. We weren't done yet, right? So, you know, and I know, maybe you've been there, guys, or ladies, maybe you've seen this, that 20-year-old guys do some dumb stuff. But it's not because we're dumb, all right? Let me clarify this. 20-year-old guys do dumb stuff, but it's not because we're dumb. It's because we think we're invincible, all right? At 20, I'm bulletproof, right? I, I can do anything with anybody, anywhere, and I'm going to come out of it scot-free and clean, right? So we got these fireworks. Say, yeah, there's a little fire. No big deal. Let's move on to something else. So we have these cups, right? These plastic cups. We're all, we weren't drinking like that, all right? Just clarify. But we had some cups around. And so plan B is to have some more fun. We're going to take these cups, and we're going to set fireworks in them, and we're going to hold them. You know, looking back, I don't know what we were trying to accomplish. I really don't. I'm like, what's the point of holding the, it's just two more feet. I don't know what we're doing. I don't, it didn't make any sense now looking back on it. But at the time, I was like, yeah, we're going to hold this plastic cup. We're going to shoot this firework out. It's going to go off. It's going to be awesome, right? Again, yeah, 20 years old, right? So <laughs> now my newlywed wife at this point, <laughs> and you can get her side of the story later, but she was pretty adamant. 
that this is a bad idea, right? And that we should really quit while we were ahead, right? Just a little fire, no big deal. Plastic cups and hands, probably not a good idea. You should really stop. But no, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So did we listen? Let's ask the crowd. And no, of course not. If <laughs> we listen to that, right? So we did it anyway. And we were having a blast until one of the guys burned his hand, at which point we decided, oh, maybe we should stop, right? But it wasn't because my wife was right. That's not why we're stopping. <laughs> it's because we're just bored with it, right? We are, we've done it all. We've already lighted these things off several times. Ah, the guy got his hammer, whatever. We're done with this. It's just not fun anymore, right? So we don't need to worry about the wife part. So my, my crazy patient wife, right, she had all the best of intentions. She had a lot more foresight and being a 20 year old woman seems to have a little more common sense than 20 year old guys they may there's some nature nurture instinct thing going on in there i don't know i'm not saying you're smarter i'm just saying there's other things going on all right she was just trying to help she really was uh not so, so we wouldn't intentionally or seriously injure ourselves we were convinced we were convinced that we were doing the right thing we were doing everything right everything was going to be just fine so no matter how loudly she's over there saying stop it this is dumb don't do it we weren't going to listen. We weren't going to listen. Thankfully, nobody was seriously injured other than the burnt hand and a little bit of fire. But other than that, everything was okay, all right? No serious major injuries. But moments like that really reinforced this idea that we're going to jump into today, to kind of explore here in Mark 6, is that how we view ourselves plays in to how we view others, right? We were confident. We knew what we were doing, so she had to be overreacting. You can't have it both ways, right? We were confident she's overreacting. And no matter what she said, we couldn't hear it. So, moments similar to this played out in the life of Jesus. And the consequences, unfortunately, were a lot worse than a burnt hand or a little field fire. So let's turn to Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 this morning as we look into the Word of God. If you have it uh, in a physical copy, I encourage you to open. If you have an app, I encourage you to open it up. If not, it's going to be above my head. Uh, so feel free to do that as well as we read Mark 6, verse 1 together, where it says this. And he went away from there, he being Jesus, and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. All right, so let's set the scene as Mark usually does in the beginning of these things that after spending some time away from home, we don't know exactly how long, Jesus sets out to come back. Now the reason isn't given. We don't know if he's just coming to see some family and friends, maybe, right? Or if he's just on his way to somebody else and he's just kind of stopping over. But whatever the reason, he's back home in Nazareth, all right? The place he had spent the first 30 years of his life. Now Nazareth was a small agricultural town set in the mountains, Sounds really familiar, doesn't it, right? And to most in that area, it didn't have the best reputation. Again, sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it, right? In the Gospel of John, even, the disciple of Jesus named Nathaniel had once said that nothing good had ever came out of Nazareth, right? So Nazareth, small town in the mountains, not a great reputation. Here we go. This is the town that Jesus is coming back to, this small, proud farming community with dust-covered streets that Jesus and his disciples walk slowly back into. And here comes Jesus, right? Hometown boy done good, right? Because he had left 
with nothing. He was a carpenter's son when he left, and now that he's come back, people are hearing all these things about him, all these crazy things he's said and he's done, and now he's got this entourage, these 12 dudes hanging out around him, and he's got this reputation that's coming before him, and it's like, whoa, man, this is this little guy from Nazareth is doing, doing awesome things, and so whenever the local synagogue, the leaders of the, the local Jewish church, so to speak, came uh, or heard he was coming, said, hey, we got to have you come and teach or speak to us today. We, you're this famous guy. We want to hear what you have to say, and so he comes in on a Sabbath, on a Saturday, to the synagogue, he unrolls a scroll, he starts to read, and then it says this, Mark 6, verse 2. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard it were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? Where's the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Now, as in the case with previous stories, Mark doesn't record what Jesus said, right? But he does record their reaction, that they are just blown away, right? Maybe they're thinking he was going to just come in and read a little bit from the scroll, say a few nice words, and move on, right? Or maybe they had already made it their minds that no matter what he said, it wouldn't be that great, okay? But after listening, they're just floored. Like, man, this guy, he's got it all going on, right? And it's, it really puzzled them, right? Because they had known him for 30 years. Everyone knew his family. They grew up with him. They knew his dad. They knew his, the carpentry business that he had. They saw Jesus around the shop, right? But now he's different. Something's changed here. He's speaking with wisdom, which means more than just he spoke saying wise words. It means he was uh, one who had revealed the knowledge of God and God's purposes. This is someone in special connection with God, right? And they also said they'd heard of his miracles, the mighty works, uh, seemingly heaven-sent power is working through him, and they've healed and cast out demons, and all these things are coming into their minds. They're like, man, what is going on? They're just left astonished, right? And their initial response here leads to some really, really great questions, right? Who, what, how does he get this stuff, right? Where does this man get these things? What is it that this wisdom comes from? How are such mighty works done by his hand? These are all great, good, investigatory questions that Jesus had been getting a lot of places, and now his friends and family are beginning to ask these right questions. Just who is this guy? Great start, but where do they take it? Mark 6, verse 3 says this. They say, Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary and the, and the brother James and Joseph and Judas and Simon are not his, his sisters sitting right here with us, right? And they took offense at him. Now, anyone from a small town might have seen this coming, Right? Sometimes people who live in small towns develop this great sense of pride about who they are and where they live, right? Uh, and, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that because, you know, I grew up in a small town and I live in one now and I'm proud of both, right? I love the towns and the communities that are small that I've been a part of. But there are sometimes that can man itself, manifest itself in some negative ways, right? And one of those ways is when somebody leaves town with nothing and comes back with a lot, and that can react one of two ways. People can be respectful and cheer mama. Like, oh, that's awesome that you did so well. But mm, I'll say most, at least half the time, what will happen is they see the people coming back who've done better. And now they're coming back into small town. And it's like, oh, now you think you're better than us, right? Now you think you did it all. And now you're coming back home. And now you can tell us all what to do. And this is the response that Jesus is getting here, right? Look at this guy, right? He leaves. He does a few magic tricks, right? He starts a cult, and now he comes back and he thinks he's big time, right? 
That's what they're thinking, right? He, he thinks he can come in and tell us what to do and what not to do, but wait a minute, we know better than this. We're not dumb. We're not going to fall for this mess, right? So they start out with great questions. Where did he speak such wisdom? How can he do such mighty works? Where does his power come from? Who is this guy? Those are great questions, but then it gets twisted around. Isn't this the carpenter, right? In other words, isn't this the same guy who used to fix our plows and make our stools, right? Where does he get off thinking he's so smart? I bought some stuff from him. He's not even that good of a carpenter, much less that good of a teacher, right? That's the thing. That's the thinking that's going on here. And I'm sure there was some, some other elements in the room. I'm not going to name their gender that were probably saying something like, I'm not even sure he's really Joseph's son, right? That's that son of Mary, right? That's what probably what this would have meant, right? That it's not Joseph's son. I think she had that. I think he was an illegitimate child, right? I think he was born before they got married, and I, he's a bastard, pretty much. So, what's, you know, what's going on here? Why should we listen to this guy? His own family, his own brothers, his mom, his sisters, his friends, all of us are sitting here. We've known him. We don't follow him. They don't follow him. They don't believe and understand. Matter of fact, reading back in the, in the other account uh, or other previous sections of Mark, you'll say that the family tries to get Jesus because they think he's out of his mind, right? And so they're, they're sitting here thinking, why, why, Jesus? You're saying these things that everybody thinks you're crazy and we got to be here. Listen to this and they're going to come down on us. We don't believe you. And it's all this stuff swirling around, right? You see, his friends and his family, they had a problem, but it wasn't him. They had bought into this identity for themselves, right? As simple people, hardworking farmers, blue-collar workers, right? They're Nazarenes. Nothing good comes out of here, but that's okay. We don't need anybody else to think we're good. We're good enough. We're good enough for each other. They had bought into this identity of who they were right? And their blind allegiance to who they thought they were blinded them to who Jesus was. He's not one of us, all right? Or rather, let's flip it around. He is one of us, but he's not special. And why would they say that? Because they don't think they're special, right? They're no good Nazarenes. Nobody ever thinks anything good. They took offense at him, it says, right? Meaning they stumbled over him. They couldn't explain him, so they rejected him. You see, identity informs belief. Get your head around this. We're talking about this in the men's group this last week, and it's so true. Identity informs belief, right? What we believe about ourselves influences what we believe about others. If we're liars, we think others are liars. Even if we're not right, say it, Right? If we're less than in our minds, then others are too. And if you think or act that you're not, you're being a hypocrite. How we see ourselves influences and informs how we feel and look and see others in our lives. And it's an incredibly powerful thing. It's one that overrides even reason, right? They had heard Jesus speak clearly right in front of them, just godly wisdom. They had heard of the incredible things that he had done that couldn't be explained any other way than through the understanding that he was who he said he was, that he was the Messiah, that he was God in flesh. But they couldn't see it, not because he wasn't telling them, not because he didn't show them, but because they couldn't see past themselves. You see, it's not enough to believe that Jesus has the power to teach or to cast out demons, or to heal the sick. Knowing Jesus and recognizing his power isn't faith. See, faith is trust 
trusting in the saving power of God through Jesus, that his miracles and his teachings are just incredible, but they're the inbreaking of God on earth, right? That in him, the fullness of God dwells and that what he calls us to is to trust and experience that ourselves in him and in him alone. When they looked at him, they couldn't see the son of God, but only the son of Mary. And the tragic irony here is that in rejecting him, they were rejecting themselves. Jesus responds, Mark 6, verse 4. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. See, Jesus here is self-identifying with the prophets of old, right? Those who spoke clearly God's words for the people so they might live and thrive as God intended. And yet, so often, they were resisted. They were rejected by the very ones they came to help. Here he was, more than a prophet, the very voice of God, not just someone who spoke for him, but God himself. And yet, he's treated the exact same way. Mark 6, 5 says, And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. You say, man, what's going on here? Wait, 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 wait. Jesus could do all things, right? Walked on water. That's later in this chapter, right? He healed people. He cast out demons. He's got this amazing teaching going on. He's doing all the things that no one else has ever done before. How could he do no mighty work or miracle here, right? You see, Jesus' miracles weren't for show. You know, they weren't just about making even someone feel better. But they're a direct demonstration that heaven was present in him and that God's reign looks like healed bodies, right? Looks like restored sight, looks like the conquering of evil, that looks like true community without strife and abuse or exclusion. And he did these things to point people to heaven. He did them out of compassion to bring heaven among them. So when he says here he could do no mighty works among them, it wasn't that he was incapable as if their unbelief of him restricted his power. He's not like Tinkerbell and Peter Pan, right? You've got to believe in the fairy to make the fairy real. That's not what this is. What he was doing was acknowledging their choice. He knew they'd be given opportunities. They'd seen it. They'd heard it. They could have believed it. They'd, they'd had every opportunity up to this point, and that more miracles would only have served to harden their hearts and not actually soften and make them receptive to Jesus and to God. They would see somebody who was just showing off and not somebody who really cared for him. See, he wasn't being petty or arbitrary. He wasn't saying, oh, they don't believe me. I'm not going to do anything here. Forget that. You don't want me. I don't want you. I'll see you later. No. You're saying, you can't see, and even I could do every miracle, I could raise somebody from the dead right here, but you wouldn't see it as heaven on earth. You'd see it as someone who was trying to prove they're better than you. And so he didn't. Verse 6 says something else. It's one of the only times in the gospel you'll see. Matter of fact, I think it's only one of two times in the, all of the gospels you'll see this word attributed to Jesus. Verse 6 says, and he marveled. He was astonished. He was blown away because of their unbelief. And he went out among the villages teaching. So when he comes into town, the people were astonished at him, right? By the time he leaves, he's amazed at them. He's amazed that the people who had every advantage to see him for who he really was and believe in couldn't see past themselves. 
Now, despite the pain and rejection that the rejection, I'm sure, caused him, he didn't quit, right? Says he, he couldn't do it. He was amazed at their unbelief, but he went about the villages teaching. He left and started going about the countryside. Lesser men might have quit, but he had a mission to finish, right? And even if those closest to him couldn't understand, it had to be done. He was moved forward by love, compassion, and obedience. And there were too many people who needed to hear the good news of the kingdom. And there was a final act of rejection to come. There wouldn't be the end, but the beginning. A new family, one that wouldn't reject him, but that would accept him and believe, born out of faith in a moment of tragedy. But that's down the road. This morning, the story points us as it usually does to the response of the people and how we respond today. What stories, this is something I want you to ask yourself today, what stories have we told ourselves or been told by others about who we are? All right, we did some of this. If you're in our men's group, you know we were unpacking some of this already, but I want you to, if you're not, I want you to unpack it today where you're at. What stories have you told yourself or been told by somebody else about who you are? How is that identity informing your belief, right? Because whatever it is for each of us, and there's something in each of us that's been told to us or that we bought into that's preventing us from seeing Jesus and being changed by him. So whatever it is, we need to be shooken up. We need to be shaken awake, really, driven to examine it in light of their response, right? Those who knew Jesus best, they knew him, but they didn't know him. And the question for us this morning is, are we going to repeat that mistake? Or are we going to see ourselves and how we see Jesus, the whole thing just shattered and just reimagined by him? We will allow that to happen in our lives. Now, it's internal, of internal importance to get this right, right? For them that day, they, all, they just they rejected Jesus. He'd walk off the crazy man, and they never have to see or hear from him again. He's never going to come back to town anymore. They'll just do his own thing. But for, for us, and they didn't realize at the time, but for them too, what they were really rejecting was heaven in their lives. So we need to really examine that, what we believe, how we believe ourselves, and how we view him. It's because trusting in him is, uh, is a matter not only of great importance, but of eternal significance to us, right? Trusting in Jesus, whether it's out of convenience or just because it, it is, is, is wrong in all forms, right? What I love and, and, and challenged by this story is that they were okay with carpenter Jesus, but not King Jesus. Trusting a Jesus of convenience is just as bad as not believing him at all, right? Because you can say, well, I, I like Jesus. I like the, some of the things he does. But then when we're challenged by the word and he says, you got to forgive your enemy. We got to love those who hate you. And you got to uh, you know, do for your neighbors you do yourself. You got to love in ways that are radically different than what we want to do. And when someone comes in our life that we can't do that, when we say, well, that's good, Jesus, but I don't want to do that part. I want you the way I want you and not the way you really are. They missed out on heaven because they were okay with carpenter Jesus, but not King Jesus, right? They missed out, but not because they weren't welcome, but because they couldn't see who was offering it. Not repeating that mistake is where we need to live in this morning. And not repeating that mistake is a process that begins by, one, admitting that we don't have it all figured out, all right? Now, 
For some of you, that's easy. You've been told that every day. You don't have it all figured out. You're, you know, you, you, you should really should listen to me. Others, that might be a problem. But we all need to come to a point by admitting, like, hey, I don't got this figured out. But you don't stop there. You start there. You start with those good questions. How, Jesus? Why? Where? What? You see it working in your life. You hear the stories. You see people being, being uh, healed. Or you hear the peace and the joy they have. Or, and all these things. And you're challenged. And you ask good questions. But don't let your identity that you've bought into twist those questions around and say, Oh, no, that can't be it. There's got to be something different going on here. This is, this is, this, I've heard about this Jesus guy and there's other stuff going on. It's all manipulative. The, the church just wants your money. It's all this other stuff. And those two ideologies battle in your mind together. And Jesus is saying, put it all down and look for yourself. Admit you don't have it all together and don't stay there in that uncertainty and doubt, but invite him in to the gap and allow him to come in and show us, one, who he is, but more importantly, who we are who we're supposed to be. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I don't have a slide for you in this, so I just want you to listen. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning one, anyone who's trusted in Jesus, anyone who's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and I love this part, behold, the new has come. They weren't ready to live in the new they were embracing the old. They said, this is who we are. This is who Jesus has to be. We can't see it. We can't understand it. We reject it. What God calls us to do through Christ is live in the new with him. Behold, the new has come. Jesus is offering today for us to live in that new. New identity, new creation, new life in him together. So if you are seeking this morning, maybe you're here and you're like, ah, I've heard a lot of things and I've lived a lot of things that's tied to religion and I didn't like a lot of that stuff. All right, it seemed there's an agenda, something going on there that I couldn't really work my head around and there's always just this stuff I had to do but didn't really make sense to, to me personally. But today you're hearing about how your identity, one, has changed in Christ, but two, has to be challenged first. You have to even come to the point of like, who am I, right? What am I wrestling with? How, how is this being broken apart by Jesus in new ways? And I'm already to only receive it for myself, but to accept Christ in to begin changing me. Maybe you are there. Maybe you're not. Now, if you're not, I want to encourage you to continue asking questions. The, the problem that Nazarenes had weren't that they just outright rejected him just one time only. It's that they just couldn't get past themselves, right? And so if you're still challenging yourself, you're like, man, I don't know what I believe, but I know that I don't know, then this is the place to be. This is what I love about Faith Church. This is what I encourage people to do. Even believers, I want you to ask questions, all right? I don't want you to say, well, this feels good to me, so it must be right. Right? I don't want you to say, well, this is what I've been told, so this must be good. I don't want you to say, well, that's what I've heard from somebody who sounded really good, so I guess I'll believe it. No, I want you challenging what you, what, who you are, what you've heard, what you believe in every facet, and come with questions, saying, I don't know. What do you think? And let's talk about it together. Not that I'm going to give you necessarily the right answer, but I'm going to point you to the truth and let the truth shape you, and not me and not, not anything else, but Christ and Christ alone. 
And so if you're here and you don't know where you're at, continue to be a part of the process. Continue to come in, watch online, ask questions, even comes to groups that we have and, and, and be willing to stand out and say, hey, I got some crazy questions that I don't have answers for. Let me bounce them off of you. That's what I want. That's what we want here as a church. But on the flip side, maybe you've been doing that. Maybe you've been walking down this road. Maybe you get to this point and you're saying, now I am ready. Now I have asked these questions and now I've been challenged and I don't know it all, but I know enough to know that I need the real Jesus, not the one I've been told, not the one I've heard, not the one I made up in my mind, but the one that brings heaven to earth, that changes lives, that gives new life. And if that's you, we're going to give you a chance to respond in just a minute to that. But for believers, I want us to focus and wrap, around our, wrap our heads around this. Luke 6, 23 says this. This is Jesus speaking to a giant crowd on a hill. He said, blessed are you when people hate you. Let me repeat that. Blessed are you when people hate you. And when they exclude you. And when they revile you. And when they spurn your name as evil. Not because of the things you've done. I want to clarify what Jesus is saying here. He's going to clarify in just a sec. But on account of the Son of Man. In other words, for who you trust and how that trust reflects how you live, right? Verse 23 says, rejoice in that day. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, he says, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. And so Jesus was done to him as well. Right here in this moment, we read in Mark 6. Spurned, reviled, excluded, hated. You see, when you're living a new life with Christ, what we do, what we say, can and should rub some people the wrong way. It should. It should. For people in Nazareth that day and for some people, and those in our lives and those you around, Jesus is offensive. And that's okay. There'll be some who are going to ignore you for your belief. There'll be some who's going to belittle you. There'll be some who are going to outright reject you. What we have to do in those moments is not say, oh man, but I want that relationship with my mom, my, my sister, my, my family, my friend that I've known forever and they can't come to grips with what I believe or all these things. We live in a very divisive time in our country. Even simple things divide us and, and, and put us at separate houses and separate tables and we're not invited in together. And so it can be incredibly difficult when this is one more thing added to the list. You're saying, man, I can just, can I just sacrifice this part? I'll just not talk about my belief, right? I just won't talk about what living for Jesus means for me. I won't tell my story like we talked about last week. That way I could just make peace and it'll all be good. But then what Jesus really wants is just making peace with friends and family. Mm -mm. No. He wants us whole. And wholeness comes at a cost giving up of ourselves and of our comfort, of our convenience for a greater promise and a greater hope and a greater joy. So whenever that comes against you and you're like, man, people are outright just ignoring me or, 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 or saying crazy things about me, even if not to my face, when it comes to what I believe and how I believe, what we need to do is rest in this new identity in Jesus, right? Live in the new again each day be reminded that we're new in him in the midst of the pain that comes with rejection because it still hurts. 
to be able to call back to that love and the compassion that he gives us so that we can love and forgive those around us. Even when they outright just kick us to the curb or ignore us or belittle us or whatever the case is. And the crazy thing is, when we do that, you never know what faithfulness in that moment is going to do. Because some of the family that joined the crowd that day in rejecting Jesus would later go on to be great leaders in the church. His brothers, who denied him that day, would become some of the greatest church leaders of all time. And what's awesome about this is that it helps us to remember that as, as those who've rejected us, as long as stay, stay diligent, stay patient, stay loving, stay forgiving in those moments, because the more you do that, you just never know what God's going to do through you. How the people that you thought would never come to Jesus would come in. The people you never thought would tell anybody about their faith and about how Christ has changed them can start telling things. You're like, whoa, how did that happen? And it's going to be God working through them, but it's also because of your faithfulness and not quitting whenever they quit it on you. Quit on you. Pardon my English today. Persevering through the rejection and rejoicing even in it because of what you believe and more importantly because of who you believe. Now he was rejected. Now he loved him anyway. And so can we. Let's close in prayer today. If you're here this morning, and again, you're a seeker, we start with seekers first, because this church is all about people who are far from God or maybe see themselves as far from God. And the gospel says that God is right here. God says that he has come to save us, that he's the rescuer to seek and save the lost, that he didn't just come and sit and eat with sinners because he was hungry, because he wanted to give them the bread of life. And so this morning, if you're here and you're like, man, I don't know where I'm at with Jesus. Some days it feels like I'm a mile away. And he's saying, I am right here with you, whether it's online or in your bedroom, in your room, wherever you're sitting or here in person and here at the church. He is here with you. And what he's doing is he's saying, start to forget about who you've been told you are and start to listen to me as I tell you who I'm making you to be. Because I have accepted you when you rejected me. I have loved you when you hated me. I have forgiven you when you couldn't even talk to me. And I'm welcoming you into this new family, a new life, a new everything in me. A whole new world, a whole new life, a whole new identity. And all you have to do is say, okay, I take it, I want it. If that's you, you respond, how you respond is through prayer. It's just calling out to him. It's just saying, not even these words, but something like this, just as a heart's call to Christ and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that on the days that I wouldn't listen to you, you were still there. The times where you were calling out to me and speaking out words of wisdom and showing me things that I was turning my eye to because I just couldn't see past myself that, God, now I see clearly. Now I see you. And now I hear and receive and, and just want to live in this new identity that you have for me that I am not who I've been told I am, but that I am a child of the King, that I'm redeemed and restored, bought with a price, a precious gift of heaven. Not only a child, but a 
conqueror that's set out to, to be able to have power and authority over the things that have been holding me, that, God, you are freeing me from my past, from abuse and from ailments. God, all these things are set free in you today. And that I want to live in you and with you from now on. If that's you this morning, and you said that prayer, one like it again for the first time, or maybe it's a recommitment. You're like, man, I've been away for a long time, but now I'm, I'm really, I'm more, I want to come back. I'm ready to step into this relationship in a new way. I want to encourage you, if you're in person, is you're here, I want you to encourage you to either lift your hand up or you can find me after, all right, and talk. Don't leave and think, oh, I'll just slip out and talk to him next week. Talk to me now, all right? Online, make sure you respond there too. We'll follow up with you there. I'll make sure I do that. Amen. For believers this morning and everyone else, as we wrap up, I want us to pray and center ourselves on this prayer here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that even though we are rejected sometimes, that even though we believe some things that cause others to stumble, that cause others to be offended, cause others to, to block us on Facebook or walk away or, or never speak to us for years, God, but though even in those moments of rejection that hurts us so painfully, God, that we know and we can rest in, that we do rest in today, that we are accepted and welcomed by you, that our reward is great in heaven, and it's not that it's a treasure or a house or anything. It's to be able to sit next to the God who has rescued us, to be in the presence of the ever-loving Father who doesn't ever reject us, who has welcomed us in, who says, come sit at my feet. Let me feed you. Let me give you rest. Let me give you peace. Let me give you joy. Let me give you hope. God, then when everyone else shuts us out, God, you welcome us in, Lord. God, I pray we rest in that, that God, you say rejoice in that, that our joy isn't because of our circumstances, because of our relationship with you today. And that God, in that moment of rejection, and when we re remember that we are accepted by you, that we experience that same love, that we forgive those who have rejected us. Lord, that we don't say, well, if you don't need me, I don't need you. But we say, whenever you're ready to talk, I'm here for you. Whenever you have something going on in your life, even though you said you didn't want to hear it, I'm ready to tell it again. Whenever you have something processing that you can't just understand, I'm ready to tell you that it's Jesus working in your life. Just open your eyes and see that we forgive those who have hurt us, that we love those who have pushed us away, that we invite others in who are far from God, that we go and seek and sit with those who would outright reject you, Lord, and show them and tell them of your love to live it through the pain, through the rejection, closer to you with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much, church, one for being here and online if you're not here in person. I want to make sure you know that we're here each and every week, Sundays, 10 a.m., and Thursday, 6.30 for prayer meeting. We highly encourage that. Sundays don't happen without Thursdays. Prayer is what moves us forward because God works through that. And so I encourage you to pray with us Thursday, 6.30 online or in person. Come sit with us around the warm part of the cafe as we uh, do that each Thursday night. All right. Uh, and then Wednesdays, we have our, our, our groups, which is awesome. Men and women's groups, just a great time. I encourage you to join us for those as well. Even if you hadn't been, you can still jump in. It's okay. All right. Just do what you can. 
Uh, and then make sure you're doing faith life goals, all right? Online, you can submit those today by PMing or messaging us in the comment section, or also make sure you're signing up here in church before you get out of here, all right? So we'll see you guys online next time, whenever that happens to be. Until then, God bless. Thank you.